a stone. I build my house of bricks. I have no chance to sing and dance, cause work and play don't mix. Everybody, it is another episode of the Feminine Critique with me, Emily, and you. Ah, uh, Christine. That that would be us. Yeah. Uh, on today's episode, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about two movies. Uh-huh. One of them is called The Company of Wolves, uh-huh. and one of them is called <gasps> the. You could do it. You could do it. Byzantium. I've just been watching a lot of Buffy season five. And it's when the Knights of Byzantium are dying. Oh. Well, so, when you put it that way. Well, you know, just think. I mean, whenever you can't, don't know how to pronounce something, just try to channel your inner Buffy Summers, and usually oh, you'll come up with it. You mean I'm not supposed to go and just mumble and expect people to know what I'm talking about? Sometimes that works, but honestly, you know, because we could blame it on, like, poor audio. Like, oh, no, we said it right. It was just... Every time you just missed it. it. Yeah, it was like my my recording thing just skipped a beat or something. Weird, weird. Uh, So what do these movies have in common? Um, Neil Jordan. Yeah, both movies directed by Neil Jordan. A good 30 years apart about. Yeah, that's shocking now that you say that. (laughs) Yeah, Company of Wolves is um, 84. And this was 2012, I guess. The other one. The other one was, I think, 2013. I think <laughs> the other one? Year. I'm just going to call it the that other one. That one. Um, here's the crazy question. I need to confirm this right now. But I think something else happened. Oh, my God. I'm right. Do you want to know what else happened in 1984, Christine? Do what? You? Do you? What? Uh, a hint. It has a connection to the Company of Wolves. What? Uh, something happened in the television world. That would come to define our time and times forever. Uh-huh. Um, a little slice of heaven that reigned for decade, a decade and a half, which is the premiere of Murder, She Wrote. Oh, also 1984. 1984. 1984 was a fucking great year. I don't care what George Orwell says, okay? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember most of it. Um, Nor do be, I, but I know that too. As, as was I. Uh, which explains why I miss the premiere of Murder, She Wrote. But <laughs> well, that's a good excuse. Indeed. So we're going to celebrate 1984 this episode. Uh, before we get into these uh, Neil Jordan uh, projects, we like to do something here, don't we now? Yeah, we do. What do we like to do? We like to talk about the other stuff we've been watching and try oh, not to be too embarrassed about it. <laughs> too embarrassing because i have very oh. few movies that's why all right well i'll pick up the slack then all right uh do you want to go first you want me to go first what you want? whatever man I, I don't have too many either so it's i don't think it really matters all right um I, i'll go first okay <laughs> I like that uh i have a very small number of films um in part because last weekend was very busy uh it was the biannual horror hound 
Yeah, do you want to do a brief recap of how awesome it was? Well, it's always awesome. This was an interesting year because it was a very, uh, it was a much smaller group than like what our group usually is. Yes. And, and if anybody has been to Horror Hound, and you all should go at some point, and for those who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, Horror Hound is, <laughs> it is, it is a, a genre magazine, but it is also, um, they do a horror convention twice a year. Uh, in March, they do it in Cincinnati, and then in September, they usually do it in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christine and I have, have gone there, as have many other podcasters and friends and such. And when we go, it kind of turns into just, um, how would you describe it, Christine? Um, drunken shenanigans? That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Um, sometimes they involve Linda Hamilton, even. <laughs> sometimes they do. Hey. This time didn't, uh, but uh. it was a much smaller group, but it was kind of nice because it meant that like everybody got to spend some quality times, quality time mm-hmm. with Night, Night of Living podcast, which is always good. They are a a treasure of the internet and real world, indeed. Um, so that was good. Uh, I went to the while I was there. There were a couple of like actual movie things I did. I oh, went, that's cool. Yeah, I went to the Your Next panel. Ooh. Um, which it was kind of a shame because to call it a panel, really, it was just. Um, Charney Vinchin, or Sharn, as I like to call her, uh, came out with two of the other guys who I guess were in the movie. They were the killers, but they weren't very memorable. Um, and they just sat down and started talking in a big room. And there was no mm-hmm. moderator, so it was kind of a shame because nobody was telling them that we couldn't hear them very well. Oh, that sucks. I, I kind of did, but um, Charney Vin- Vinchin, or Vincent, I don't know how to say her name, uh, but the chick from Step Up 3D, and you're next, and Blue Crush 2. Just say that then, man. Exactly. She <laughs> is awesome she is awesome that's cool that she was there she was so cool and she was just delightful and and very like she kept that panel going because she was just like cheerful and talkative and everything um and then the next day i you know forked down my 20 bucks to get my picture with her Uh, oh fun is that on your your facebook i didn't see it there should be pictures of me with her um with um john cassier the crypt keeper that i saw yeah and he was wonderful because he was just like really clearly he took the time to talk to anybody that was online for him um one of what was really cool was seeing because one of the things he was offering was he would do your voicemail on your cell phone Mm -hmm. so it would be the crypt keeper saying like no oh emily's not here she's all tied up or something like that but (laughs) in like an actual good crypt keeper voice that's um, awesome. It was, just, it was really cool to like, you know, stand there, shake his hand, like to like watch him talk. And then because we got to see him do it to someone in front of us and then him, him just like turn that on and do it in a cell phone. Uh, but he was just delightful and very like just seemed happy to be there. So if you're ever at a convention when he's there, I highly recommend, you know, fork over your 20 bucks and get your picture with him. Um, and um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Sharni Vinchin, I got my picture with uh, and I like kind of want her to be my best friend because she's really fun and adorable um and then the other person i was really excited to meet um was clint howard i saw that picture too how did i not see the other one i'm gonna have to go look i don't know it's there trust me it's there um clint howard was also really nice and friendly and he was like at one point his line was getting very long and he's like i'm sorry everybody i just need to take like three minutes to eat and i'm thinking like he's gonna go downstairs and eat something and come back but like no somebody brought him a grilled cheese sandwich and he just like shoved it in his mouth so that he could like keep going with autographs because so he was really nice oh that's really sweet yeah um so as always it was a good time uh, and I will probably most likely not be at the September one, sad to mm-hmm. say, but I got this thing I'm doing that involves like <sighs> priorities, man, and rings and like life commitments and stuff, but whatever, <laughs> you know, it's cool. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was Horror Hound. So as a result, I only have five movies. 
All right, that's still not bad. I suppose. Okay, so here's what we got. We've got, uh, I think you talked about this movie on Instant Watch, Rennie Harlan's foray into found footage horror, Devil's Pass. Did I talk about that? Did you see it? Maybe somebody else did. I don't know. I watch a lot of things I wish I didn't watch. This? How, how is this? Okay, um, this, for those who don't know, essentially is, uh, found footage. It is a bunch of, uh, grad students who are all British, but they're playing Americans. And here's the first thing, rule about Wait, did I watch this? You might remember because the lead girl was blonde and she could not cover up her English accent or she tried to, and instead it would make her sound like she had, like, a learning disability. (laughs) She kept having to say the novel Slaughterhouse-Five, which she kept saying as Slaughterhouse-Five. Yeah, if you're doing a found footage film, I understand you're like you have a low budget. You're you're like you're dealing with all these restrictions. Why make it that much harder by forcing your cast to do American accents if they're not American? Yeah, you're not working from a script. You're working a lot of improv, and it's really I imagine I'm not an actor. It's probably much harder to improv in another accent than it would be to just be like you know what? Can I just be British? Yeah, I don't know. I think I might have started this. I never never finished it, but. Yeah, it's like a, a co-UK oh, Russian production total, or something. Russian production, which is kind of awesome. So why don't they just go with like I don't know. the ambiguous? I guess they want nature of the actors, like America, because like they keep saying it. They're like, oh, nobody's gonna let five Americans just die in the wilderness, kind of thing. So maybe that. But they would let five other people. Wow, come on, Christine. We are. Better. That's true. All right. Well, that so said though, I I enjoyed it. Did you like it? I oh, did man. actually. Um. It's it is uh it is by no means a great found footage horror movie. Um it does a lot wrong. It does some things right. It ha- it takes some twists that you on one hand like you you kind of guess where it's going, but then it goes certain places you're like, "All right, that's new. That's different." Um I found some of it surprisingly scary. Hmm. But then like within the next scene I like I would find myself being saying like, "Ooh, this is actually kind of like nightmarish this is kind of cool and then like a minute later saying to myself oh shitty cgi oh but that's creepy oh oh god can they stop the cgi like it was a very maybe i didn't watch it with like the lights off and maybe if i had it would have i would have been able to like commit one way or another yeah but i watched it feeling kind of very analytically i guess um i didn't think it was a waste of time i thought it was uh if you overlook some of the ridiculousness of it, I thought it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's by no means a great movie. Uh, okay, so that was that. Next was, uh, it was on Instant. It goes off Instant on April 1st, and that was why I watched it. Uh, my rule, of course, of Instant Watch, if you want me to watch your movie, then threaten to be removed. <laughs> Take it away. And that was 1990 or 91's Dead Again. Okay, this has a very vague title. Uh, you would, re- you might remember it though, because it, uh, it's Kenneth Branagh uh, mm-hmm. directing mm-hmm. and starring in with um, his then wife Emma Thompson. Okay. It also has Wayne Knight and Robin Williams, and I think Robin Williams is uncredited, but he has a fairly big part. Uh, this is, I-, I remembered when this came out. This is a very, it's a very early '90s thriller. It looks it. It looks amazing. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite genres. And it's a it's a great cover too. I think you would really enjoy this one. Uh, it was I I thought it was much darker. I think I because I remember when this movie came out in the theaters and it like being advertised really 
scary. It is much uh, lighter in tone than mm. I thought. And I don't know how much of that is just because it's in 1990 and it just kind of, some of the choice, the style choices just are very dated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does some interesting things. It's just, it's different. And the script is really, um, it, it's a pretty unique tale. It feels very fresh and original. Uh, it, the weird thing is seeing Emma Thompson as like an ingenue. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's got a really good cast. I haven't, I don't know if I've ever seen her in something so early. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's young. She's not, uh, you know, she's not a uh, she's not underage. She's, yeah, she's young and she kind of. It's weird because it it's really weird to watch Emma Thompson and her to be kind of so like dull and ingenuesque yeah uh because i'm just so used to emma thompson being in any movie and just being awesome and and smart and funny or just really like deep and you watch an emma thompson movie and she's just always one of the best things and you just don't leave her and buy her and in this one she just doesn't get that much to do she plays like an amnesiac so most of the movie is her trying to figure out who she is and it's it's really strange to watch that um yeah so that made it in other than that, like, oddly enough, I think that was a weak point, not because she was bad in it, but because I expect more from an Emma Thompson role, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, it was very different. And I think anybody with kind of an interest in, like, kind of slightly original takes on sort of a thriller, um, you know, we'll get something out of it. Well, geez, it's going away. I, I, now I don't have it's a choice. Like a DVD. You just, well, or you could watch it in the next two days. Okay, whatever. that's true. Maybe I will. Okay. Um, I've been, I started reading a book called War Day, which is sort of like World War Z, but it's about the po- the life after, instead of zombies, it's life after um, a nuclear bomb in America. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this. I really like um, end of the world nuclear Crazy. Bomb. You've never mentioned this before. I I, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I try to keep it under wraps. I don't really like to talk about it that much. Um, but it's kind of my rule of any movie that's about the end of the world or, like, nuclear threat, I will get really excited to watch. So because I've been reading this book, it just made me really in the mood for something like that. And so even though I've seen it two or three times, and it's one of those movies that, like, a lot of people describe as the kind of movie that you only watch once because it's so disturbing, it was, like, a Saturday morning, and I'm like, eh, you know, I'm just sitting here with my coffee. I'm going to turn on Threads on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. That's how I came no. back. I, I, I sat yeah. back. I had the cats on my lap. It was all good. We know. Yeah, you were like, yeah, let me on one of the most disturbing movies of all time. It's cool. Jeez Louise. Yeah, it, it is available and it's full. For some reason, it does not have a Region 1 release. I don't even know if it has an official Region 2 release, uh, but the entire film is on YouTube. Um, is it? Okay. Yeah, it doesn't look great, obviously, um, but you can watch it from beginning to end. And this was, for those who don't know, this if you know the movie The Day After, not The Day After Tomorrow, The Day After from 1983, the nuclear war, what would happen afterwards in America, this was basically the British version of that. It was a BBC miniseries. Um, and it's super disturbing. It's kind of done documentary style, but also has a couple of character through lines and everything. And it's just, I think it's incredibly well done and very horrific and yet for me really entertaining because yeah, I'm a sick just- bastard. And pop it in there the way some people will rewatch like the Muppet movie or something. Oh yeah, speaking of, uh, that's this morning. Um, that rare, usually we do it maybe about two or three times a year. We get up and go to the early bird screening of a, of a new movie at the Cinemaplex. 
and we went to see Muppets Most Wanted. I saw it too. Oh, okay. Um, I'm excited to hear what you think because I know you, shockingly, oh my god, I'm sorry, I have to just pause to point out that, um, as I've told you before, when I generally have the TV on mute in the background when we record, and so <laughs> guess what I'm watching? Take a guess. Um, SVU? Oh, of course, yeah. They're, they're <laughs> undercover, and whenever they're undercover, it's always really great, but this is really good because they're at a rave. So, oh god, who's there? Uh, Munch is just wearing like a leather coat and sunglasses. Ice-T is dressed like all like thug-like. This uh-huh. is season one or season two, so, um, oh god, what's her name? The detective who got replaced by, eventually gets replaced by Ice-T. The, she's black, she's really, um, she's very oh, tall, she's remember. really pretty. She's there like season one and a half. Um, but her and Olivia, it means that they're wearing like belly tank tops and, and glow sticks. And Olivia has like blue hair and it's wonderful. Oh no. Um, but sorry, distraction. Now, oh, that's a worthy, uh, a worthy distraction, I'd say. So Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. Uh-huh. I really didn't like that last uh, one. That I last one. Like the Muppets, which I think is shocking. It had a lot wrong with it. The music you was not good. You have how, a lot wrong with you. Oh. How how are you going to make a Muppet movie that's not about the Muppets? It's about this character that you just introduced and then this human that ha- is of no consequence. Well, it's about how he helps the Muppets come back together. But that's not what a Muppet movie's about. But in this the, case it was because it was a getting the band back together. But it was such... an impetus to do that. It was such a misstep. We should, it we was such a misstep. We're both going to get really angry. <laughs> Um, but that being said, this movie basically did everything right that uh-huh. that one had done wrong. I had so, a feeling that you would, as I watch this, I'm like, I bet Christine likes likes this one and didn't like the last one. There were a few things that I didn't really enjoy, um, but overall, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was really funny. I thought the cameos were real good. I thought they were done so well too. Yeah, they because they, none of them were like. They didn't, they, they weren't, like, something that I think some people have said about this one, and I didn't agree at all, was that, like, oh, some of the cameos were, like, taking away from the Muppets. No, they weren't half the time. No. Like, Shorsha Ronan just is there, and it's never even acknowledged. It, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it, there, there are a few blink and you miss them ones. Uh, did you catch the one of, actually, two of your boyfriends were in the my, two Two of my boyfriends were there. Yeah. Um, one of, one of them, like. But I can't reveal it, because it was a really good reveal at the very end. Yeah, it, it, it was just really really good and the music for the most part was awesome mm-hmm. and it was really funny and tina fey was really funny she had a good time you could tell and she was just happy it, enough. really oh, funny wow. and there were some really good lines and it was self-aware and um i really liked the fake kermit oh he was so good really he funny was such a great character yeah kermit um, frog i like how even though it was another storyline where miss piggy was um all she is is right. the thing that wants to marry Kermit. Uh-huh. It was they kind of it was like a play on that, um, which was kind of fun. Oh yeah, like, and it, <laughs> I was worried at one point. I won't give anything away, but there was like one thing about Miss Piggy that I was like, "Whoa, that's not my Miss Piggy." And then it was like, "Oh no, that's my Miss Piggy." They got it. They got it. <laughs> yeah, it, but they got it. It was good, and she had so many costume changes. Oh my God, I thought the same thing. I'm watching this, and I'm like. 
God, I like I I have always admired Miss Piggy's style, but yeah, and well, like, me too. What that coat when she has her song, oh, and she's wearing that, that coat is coat. so nice. Oh, God. I noticed in the because we stayed for throughout the end credits, and I noticed that like it was special thanks also was to Vivian Vivian Westwood, and I wonder if like some of those were her old designs. Oh my God, that'd be so cool. It was crazy because like they would be walking in a scene, and it'd be like, oh, Piggy looks really good, and then it would it would be like later that day in the same in the same setting and she'd be wearing something else. And it was always fabulous. And even yeah. like when they're in Germany, she's got this little like little um, blazer that's so German that I thought was adorable. Yeah. Like she was very fitting to each location. Yeah, it was it was good. I really liked it. I was a little nervous, yeah. but I thought it was great. You saw it in the theaters? Yeah. Okay, were, was it a very, what was the crowd like? Um, quiet. Okay. Was it a lot of kids or? Not really. I mean, I saw it not late at night, but maybe like a seven o'clock show. Okay. See, that's, we always go to, for the movies, we always go to like the first showing of the day um, because it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. Uh, And usually it's really not crowded. We kind of forgot when we went today, we're like, oh, this is a kid's movie. And so it was a, it was a really packed theater, but the kids were all like, we're actually really cute and like, you know, would kind of like laugh at like random moments and they were all very well behaved. But as a result, it meant that there were so many jokes that me and Brandon were the only ones laughing at. And by laughing, I mean like guffawing really loudly where a little kid started laughing at the way I was laughing. Yep. There was one, I can't remember what it was. I wish I did. The seventh seal joke. Oh, I don't know. Because that, within the first minute, there is a seventh seal joke. Oh, I don't know if I even caught that. The Bergman film and my Muppets. I'm going to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, there was, I know, I can't remember what it was. I made, I laughed so loud and no, it was like crickets. I was like, oh no, I'm was so. Also anything Ray Liotta did. Oh, so good. Because can they just make a spinoff that's just Ray Liotta? And because it almost felt like Ray Liotta just showed up like at like filming one day. He's like, oh, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're making a Muppet movie. He's like, oh, okay. In it. They're like, uh, <laughs> We don't really have a part for you. I mean, Danny Trejo is... Oh, that know? one. That that was exactly well, that, that, that part. Trejo. That, I laughed so fucking hard at that. And it was crickets. I was like, oh no, that's funny, right? The same thing happened to us because all of the adult jokes, we were like cracking up really hard. And I know I confused so many children because they were definitely like, "What? I didn't get that. Yeah. Why did the big kid over there laugh? Yeah, I think I think she said goodnight, Danny Trejo, and then I think she said goodnight, Russian inmate. <laughs> it was so funny. And, and yeah, there's a chorus line reference, and if you're gonna read yeah. a chorus line too, so good. It was yeah. so good. So I really, really liked it. I'm glad you liked it too. Good, good. I'm really glad you enjoyed it because I otherwise was kind of gonna. I know. Invite you to the wedding. And stuff. Exactly. You'd have to start questioning certain Pretty things. Much. Okay. Oh, um, I'm glad you saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we definitely like it. Like we, of all the movies I want to give my money to in a theater. Yeah. Uh, you know, because this one didn't open that well. And even the first film didn't make that much money. So I was surprised and overjoyed when they greenlit a sequel. And I don't know if this one will merit another one. But, you know, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Felt fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, last thing I watched, uh, which, you know, makes a really good double feature <coughs> with Muppets Most Wanted. No, oh, uh, God. Would be 1963. My favorite year. Something like that. Uh, it was not that movie. I've already seen that one. Uh, it was Judgment at Nuremberg. Oh, I've never seen this. It sounds upsetting. You should see it. Uh, it is It is upsetting because, you know, I don't know, unless 
you like seeing footage of concentration camps. I actually hate that, which is probably why I will never watch this. Uh, But this, I mean, this is one of those. Oh, Spencer Tracy, though? It's it's Spencer Tracy. It's such a good cast. Spencer oh Tracy. wow! Look at, oh, Montgomery Cliff. Uh-huh, okay, uh-huh. well I don't know. Maybe maybe I've changed my mind. Bert I per- fucking Lancaster. Yeah, I purposely he talk the, like for the first two yeah. hours he doesn't talk, and you know everything about this character just by his face. My God, that man's face. Man, I purposely avoid stuff like this because I do get unreasonably upset. But Judy Garland and William Shatner. Judy Garland, a very young William Shatner, who's very unshatner like. He's just like a you know he's ugh, he's just young. Um, this was the first thing I've ever seen Marlena Dietrich in, mm. and she's just grand in it. Like you just, yeah. Uh, I mean, she, she has a small part, but just within those scenes, I'm like, I I understand her. I understand everything about her being an icon. Like she's just she owns her screen time. Um, and Maximilian Schell is amazing, and he won the Oscar for it. Uh, it's directed by Stanley Kramer, who also did um, Inherit the Wind and On the Beach and several other great movies. Uh, Mm -hmm. this I mean you should watch it it's very long and I mean I say that saying yes it is three hours but um it it does move it's it is not boring at all uh it is not preachy and it's the kind of movie that um in the wrong hands would be preachy Mm -hmm. um but it's very um it uh, oh it's just wonderful and it was I'm really glad I finally watched it so hearty recommend to anyone out there Okay. Oh, man. Do it. I don't know. Do it. All right. Carve three hours out of your life. and To, to get unreasonably upset by a film from 1961. I mean, that's the thing is it's, it's upsetting in that, like, there, it, there is, I will just say it because it's, we, it is something that when it comes, it's really upsetting is, yes, there mm-hmm. are, there is about probably like five minutes of you are watching photos and seeing things that you really don't want to see that are absolutely real and not filmed um or not staged but the movie itself is much more about morality and it's it is not about um it's not like the pianist it's not about it's not a holocaust movie about people dying and you watching that it's about um responsibility and blame and where does it lie and looking back at what happened from a diff you know from a different point of view, who was right, what is right, what is wrong, at what point does it become right, and so on. And it's it's just immaculately done, and it re- really should see it. Okay. You've sold me. I try. <laughs> Win. <laughs> so what do you, you got? That's all I got. Oh, okay. Well, I watched Anchorman 2. Which cut of it? The new cut or the first cut? I don't know. You know whatever was... That, right? Yeah, whatever was put in front of my face. <laughs> I can't imagine that either one is very good. So no good? I, uh, Do you like yeah. the first one? Um, to say that I like it is is generous. Um, there are funny parts of the first one. Okay. Um, I agree. I'd agree with that. There's some good laughs. There's some gags. There's some... It, I mean, people reference certain things for a reason because yeah. it is pretty great. That escalated quickly. Yeah. This one... The glass cage of emotion. This one is... It misses a lot of things. It doesn't do a lot of things. Um, and then there's there you get this awesome thing with Steve Carell and um, Kristen Wiig, and they don't they don't do that enough. You want more of that. Let, let those idiots interact. That's hysterical. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm glad I watched it because I was curious. But yeah, eh. um, I then watched Fright Night Two. 
Wait, the original Fright Night 2 or no. the new Fright Night 2? Well, I hate when they do that. Okay, so you you want to know what's even more confusing. This isn't a sequel to the Fright Night remake. It's a no, it's a whole new Fright Night. It's a, another reboot. This is, as much as I hate when movies don't have sequel names like The Fast and the Furious, mm-hmm. um, I also think if you're doing a sequel that's not a sequel, that's when you're allowed to do the colon thing. Like, that's when you're allowed to do From Dust Till Dawn, colon... Cowboys versus vampires. Yeah, exactly. Like, this time it's in right. somewhere else. Blade, like Trinity. Like, that's when you're allowed to do that. Yeah, this movie was... Ap- it, it, this is maybe one of the most awful movies I've ever seen. Man. It's really bad. And I rented it off Amazon, too, so I paid for it. Oh, honey. And then I paid for it again when I watched it. <laughs> yeah, it's just not good. I mean, if it ever pops on instant and you're really curious... I'd say go for it because oh, it's you know it's you know it it's will. that bad. Oof, oof, yeah. Okay, um, okay. yeah. Oh, I just had a shell shock there. Um, I watched the Muppets and I liked it. Yay! Um, I was just reading ahead on my list and I was like, "What the fuck movie is this? What? What? Paranoia? What movie? This is how much this movie stuck with me." Um, <laughs> Liam. Liam Hemsworth, Gary Oldman, oh, and Harrison Ford. Oh my god, this movie that's like one of the worst performing movies of the last couple of years in terms of its budget to... It uh, was so terrible. It's on instant. But is it as boring as it looked in the preview? It is even more boring somehow. Like, I, you know, like I just said, I went to the movies, I think, three or four times last year, and I think two of the times I went, they, they previewed this movie. Yeah. And I was like, this could... Nobody's going to pay to see this, right? And apparently I was right. Yeah, it made was, like $10, I think. It was really bad. Um, Gary Oldman's usually amazing. I don't know what, what the deal was. Mm-hmm. Nobody was. Nobody seemed like they wanted to be there. The story was needlessly complex. And then I look at it, I'm like, paranoia. I watched a movie called... I forgot I watched <laughs> it already. Um, I rewatched Urban Legend because I couldn't ah. remember if I liked it or not. Did you? Do you? I kind of like it. Okay. Um, I like what they do with um, what's her face being the the well, killer. Uh, well, yeah. Spoiler. A girl did it, but yeah. isn't that like the thing that people know the most Probably. about that? Probably. Um, that's that's what really makes it stand out, I guess, and that that and um the fact that what's his face Freddy Krueger's in it. I can't Everybody's think. in it though, because isn't uh. Um, well, is Jared Leto in it? Or Jared Leto is in it. Tara Reid is in it. Tara Reid's in it. Pacey is in it. Yeah. Am I crazy or is, um, uh, Loretta Devine is in it? Is Zelda Rubenstein isn't in it? No, I don't think so. That's my dream cast. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Zelda Rubenstein's in everything. It's good, but it did this weird thing. Not really weird. Where the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I wish I was watching Scream. (laughs) Um, but I do like it, um, and then right after I watched Urban Legends colon Final Cut. Uh-huh. That was because I right? Yeah, because I'd never seen it. No, me neither. Um, Any good? No. Oh. Um, it's like really shoehorning movie stuff in there. Yeah. It's not really about Urban Legends anymore. It's about like like paying homage to movies and uh, stuff. Is there like a Pulp Fiction homage at one point? No. <laughs> I wish. That would have been more interesting. Um, it was not good. Um... I watched Scream because because <laughs> it put you in the mood. I, I couldn't shake it. I and then t- to top off my what was that two weeks? I watched Rock of Ages. I want to hear what you have to say about because I hate myself. <laughs> Some people I don't know, 
and to live here. Really enjoyed the movie. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it. I did not see it. I would love to know why. I don't know. But you just didn't know? No, bad. No, and I don't really... I mean, I think you know this. I don't typically like um, You're not musicals. a musical person. Not, not... Weirdo. Not historically, but if it's good, I'll watch it. And I, I can get into, like, snappy snappy numbers. But um, the people they cast as the, as the, le- the leads, not Tom Cruise, mm. they're not, like, very charismatic. Ah, okay. And I don't know why that they, they gave them this movie, because I wanted to see somebody awesome dancing and singing and stuff. Was Tom Cruise good? I heard he was fun in it. Um, he's acting so hard that I think <laughs> I pulled a muscle while I was watching him. He's really going for it. Oh, and I cute. really, and I, I respect that quite a bit. Exactly. Um, but he's acting so hard. It's kind of <laughs> distracting. You should just go watch his performances on YouTube. That's what made me watch this movie. I might. That's I was like, this so- is so fucking bizarre. I have to watch this movie now. Yeah, I had a, a very interesting couple couple days there. Why not? Keep it keep it different, you know? Oh gosh, yeah. That's what an embarrassing list. <laughs> All right, so that's your list. <laughs> that's my list. And that was my list. Uh, I guess it is time to take a quick break and come back. Should we go chronological? Yeah, why not? All right, we're going to come back and talk about 1984's murder sh- weirdest episode of Murder She Wrote ever. <laughs> the Company of Wolves. Look at that flesh, pink and plump, hello little girl. Tender and fresh, not one lump, hello little girl. This one's especially lush, delicious. Hello little girl, what's your rush? You're missing all the flowers. The sun won't set for hours. Take your time. Never said straight ahead, not to delay or be misled. But slow, little girl, hark and hush. The birds are singing sweetly. You'll miss the birds completely. You're traveling so fleetly. Grandmother first, then Miss Plum. What a delectable couple Hard to perfection One brittle, one sample One moment, my dear Let me follow the path and never stray Just so little girl Any path So many worth exploring Just one would be so boring And look what you're Hello again And welcome to 1984 Welcome to forests in medieval times or such or, or just the dreams of some young, young girl. Uh, I'm so glad moment. that you don't understand what happened either. <laughs> well, I, I understand it. Well, let us let us first say, 1984 is the Company of Wolves, directed by Neil Jordan, uh-huh. uh, written by Neil Jordan and Angela Carter, who it is based upon her uh, short stories, the bloody based from a uh, series called the Bloody Chamber. Mm-hmm. Are you at all familiar with Angela Carter? No. Okay. I had, I actually read a, a lot of her stuff when I was younger. Uh, I haven't read it in a while, but it's very just that kind of, um, like, reimagined fairy tale stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes total sense. And I think she was very involved in this film. 
Um, so 84, do you, do you want to give a synopsis since you're so confused by it? I am, I am actually really confused. I don't, I think it's because I'm trying too hard to make it make sense that it's okay. not going to make. Right. Um, from what I gather, a, a girl is having a dream wherein her sister gets killed by wolves and then there's wolves and Angela Lansbury explains that there are werewolves and then a werewolf spoiler, kills Angela Lansbury and runs away, but then the girl is a wolf too. And she runs away. But then she wakes up, but then there's a wolf. I'm really confused. (laughs) Uh, That's a lot of it. Is that what happened? Yeah, it's something that the first time I watched this movie was maybe like 10 years ago. I think Mm -hmm. I rented it kind of. This is, I will say right away, if I had seen this movie when I was like between the ages of 12 and... 18 this would have been like my favorite movie of all time yeah if i had seen it when i was younger i probably would have been horrified it for me this is just such a like i always loved that like fairy tales gone wrong dark sinister undertow of fairy tales yeah uh it was just it was just something i mean it's why the wicked series of books was like i obsessively read them when i was younger um and this is it's very much made for someone like me when I was that age. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, so were Angela Carter's stories, which is when I read them. And something that I, when I first watched this movie, again, in my late, my, my, 20, my early 20s, if I'm saying 10 years ago, uh, something I didn't pick up on that I picked up on as soon as I read anything about it was we start off in modern times mm-hmm. with uh, this couple, the family in this big estate. And, you know, the parents come home and they ask the daughter, where, ask the oldest daughter where their little, her little sister is. And, mm-hmm. Oh, she's sleeping with a tummy ache. And all of that, I didn't realize until after that she's sleeping and complaining about stomach cramps because it's her first period. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they come out and say it in the movie. but I don't, I don't think they do. And I don't know why I just assumed that. No, it makes sense that you do because I think it's really, really important to the entire thing, which is she's basically becoming a woman, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh, her, you know, her first cycle of many. Welcome to hell, sister. Uh, and basically this is, this is the dream that she has that night. And within that, it is loaded with all of those um, subtexts of the place between girl and woman and what is sexuality and when, you know, when do men go from boys to wolves and all that stuff. Uh, and then the ending never made sense to me either. Cause it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's all a dream. Oh, then, then there's wolves. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's, it, it's like a fever dream. Yes. And, and then there's stories within the dream. Yes. And like, there's stories within cause there's the a, stories. there's a serious narrative that is a dream, but then there's stories inside of that narrative. Which vary in tone, because yes. it's a kind of serious uh, story, and then within that, you have some stories that are kind of dark and creepy, but are also really funny. Yeah. You have some that are just really kind of surreal, and some that are just very, um, you know, just, you have every tone kind of working. And it's very ambitious and very original. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, does it work overall? That's that's another question. Okay. Uh, do you do you think it does? Here's my my biggest 
issue with the movie, but I don't know if it's an issue, is that, like we're saying, the entire movie, and this isn't a spoiler, like, they're making no bones about it, it's a dream. Which mm-hmm. means there's next to no stakes for the whole movie. Yeah. And it's still interesting to watch for a lot of visual reasons, a lot of performance reasons, and a lot of um, a lot of script reasons. I, this movie is really funny at times. Um, but there's something about it that just feels so light in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me really think of watching it now. Uh, like the perfect movie to compare it to that does something really similar, but somehow ends up like being more substantial um, was our, do you know the French filmmaker? I don't know how to say her name. Catherine B-R-E-I-L-L-A-T or something like that. Oh, I don't she directed know. Fat girl and brief encounter. Oh, pr- um, probably not. I'm Googling that right now though. Okay. I don't think so though. Um, she made a, a version of Bluebeard a couple of years ago. Okay. And it's uh, it's very short. It's only about like seventy five minutes total. And what's interesting about that movie is it's something. It's very reminds me so much of this because it it's framed by these two little girls reading the story of Bluebeard and then the story of Bluebeard set in medieval times in a castle and blah blah blah. And it so it's doing kind of the same thing and it's. No, again, nothing like really happens, but then you're you end up still thinking about it, and it feels somehow weightier. Whereas with this one, I get a lot of images. There's a lot of um, you know, kind of interesting. Throw out some subtext about sexuality and and men and women, and then you know, and then it's over and it's a dream. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like this one is just so light and fluffy. But I still enjoy watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I think is worth pointing out, because I do think it makes a big difference, is that the lead actress, oh, uh, I forget her name, Sarah, Sarah Patterson, um, what, when they originally were casting the film, that character was supposed to be like six, I think it was supposed to be like her 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. Like it was supposed, it was supposed to be, she was supposed to be a little older. And the actress they went with was, I think, like 13. And looks it, and she looks younger. And I think, in a way, I think it's perfect because she's, it's somehow more fitting that she is 13 and having her first period. And every, it makes everything both more dangerous, but then it also me- meant, I think, that they had to pull back on a lot of the sexuality that they originally were going to push further. Mm-hmm. And I don't know in the end if that helps or hurts the film. We'll never know because we you know, have never seen the aversion with her being older, but it's something that I think like puts the movie in a really weird place for me, I guess. Yeah. I can't really get a handle on why this didn't work for me. Mm. Um, I want to have a better explanation for you. Um, it didn't really work for me. I think because I was spending a lot of try- time trying to suss out what was actually happening. Okay. Um, like, I got that it was a dream, mm-hmm. but then, like, the little, I don't want to call them vignettes, but whatever those little stories. Kind within, of were. yeah. Like, the first one I'm on board with. I, the f- first one is, is like, um, Stephen Ray. Uh, uh, Ray, or whatever his Ray. name is. <laughs> See, I did it again. Gordon's BFF. I went, him, it's him. And that one's really cool. 
What did you and think I, of the the transformation in that? Because this is a werewolf a werewolf movie. So we really, werewolf really disturbing. It's really different. It's really neat. Yeah. I think if I would have seen that, like I said, younger, I would have freaked out. Mm-hmm. So I'm into the now. I'm into this so far. I'm like, okay. And then I think every time it was just, um. Like the real dream, for lack of a better oh, term, the narrative of her and her parents living in. The same I think body. that's where I got lost every time because the tone was so it all over the place for tone. me. Because it starts with her sister being eaten by wolves, and everybody mourning and being really upset about it. But then she's hanging around with that boy. Yeah, who's like, and like the whole thing. It's like, oh, don't stray from the path because you know fucking wolves are going to eat you. But then she's like, then she strays from the path. And then there's ba- the babies inside the eggs. Like, I get that it's all symbolic and stuff, but it really started to confuse me. Because then you have another story within a dream where the the people are all in fancy clothes and then they turn into wolves and then dogs are wearing shoes. And I got so confused. I, I wrote down that note too. Oh, no, I didn't write dogs in shoes. I wrote dogs in wigs. That's yeah. Like it was like, so that, that was so farcical that I was like, okay, where are we at with this right now? I got very, very confused. But then, like, I, I got what the symbolism was supposed to be doing. I got what they were trying to tell me. Because then by the time we get to Angela Lansbury's house, like, now you have, like, this, the huntsman, quote, unquote, mm-hmm. who is, like, all sexy or whatever. <laughs> and so, sexy? No, but I, I know somebody I did. If, yeah, ho I think if I were younger, but part of it watching this time, I'm like, I cannot open your mouth more when you speak. I can't understand your accent. He was Mumbles McGee. He was really getting his mumble on. And he had a lot of, he had kind of sounded like Constantine the Frog. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I am Kermit. I am the wolf. But like that wolf was like, the the huntsman was like, I guess hot in a way that maybe in 84 and for being foreign. But like, I got, I liked that, that like the, what's her face? Rosalind? Is that what his name? Rosaline. Rosaline. I couldn't remember which it was. Um, She was into him. And I was kind of like, I was digging that. I'm like, oh, she's into him. That's cool. Um, And it was like sexy, I guess, but not for me, but I get what they were going for. And then... I, I couldn't stop thinking about how Angela Lansbury, like, broke, like, a porcelain oh, when she got... I talk about that. That was really upsetting to me. And I was like, but it's a, it's a dream, right? And then that's, I guess, where the weight thing comes into play, where I'm immediately like, but it, but it was a dream, right? So that's right. why Angela Lansbury was, like, a, a porcelain doll. Matthew Fletcher is still alive, right? She's okay. Yeah, she is. Don't worry. She's, she's got to solve, like, 20 years' worth of cases. Or kill. And she's got a lot ahead of her. As many people believe that she was a killer all the time, because how else? What are the odds? What are the odds that one person could be so many places where people keep dying? I don't know, like Miss Marple. Yeah, but I mean, what? Fourteen years, Christine. Fourteen years. Okay, well, they had to keep a successful show going. Right. But uh, yeah, the and and Angela Lansbury is. I wouldn't say she's in a different movie. She is in the same movie all the way throughout. Oh yeah, but nobody when I else say, is in the same. Place. When I say that in the in the dream narrative, the main narrative, there's a weird tone thing going on. I'm looking right at her when I say that. Well, because the, throughout the entire, yeah, she the entire time is playing it very kind of Mother Goose esque, like black comedy. She's got this great weird little accent thing going, uh, and she's playing it very much as your kooky old aunt who tells you yes. stories about how men are, men are all were- werewolves. Is that the moral of the story? 
to an extent, I think. Okay. Uh, but I think it's also that because then you have like Rosaline has a, within within the dream has a really good arc and does have a clear journey from kind of um, like there's also something kind of interesting about like the whole how she kind of thinks she's better than everyone in part because her grandmother kind of you know lets her do so and yeah see I didn't really get that until her mom flat out said it yeah but she kind of because of kind of what her grandmother I think is telling her she kind of has this sense of like small town and or literally small town because so small that you sleep in the same room as your parents and get to watch Mm -hmm. sex yeah that was weird too there was a lot of stuff going on yeah and again I think this I I'm guessing this movie was rated R I didn't look um, I'm there right now. It, it's that same thing where, on one hand, I almost wanted it to be a harder R. Yeah, man. But it also makes sense for that tone of it being about a 13-year-old girl um, starting to understand what it might be like to be a woman, that it makes sense that it would be kind of restrained. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a result, it means when you're our age watching it, like we're talking about how the wolf is supposed to be kind of sexy at the end, and he's he's not that sexy, and and you also wouldn't want him to be because she is 13. Yeah, no, no, that's a very good point. Yeah, so it is, it puts this movie in such an odd uh, place in terms of how far it could go, how far it could have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing about it feels inappropriate, but maybe I just wanted it for a movie that's very much about, like, the danger of um, sex and growing up. I wanted it to be more dangerous. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. Especially when you start with those really fucking creepy dolls come to life. Yeah, I knew you'd uh, like that. Uh, no, see, like dolls are one thing, but when they're giant, like when you take a doll and then make it four and a half feet tall, that's fucking disturbing. Yeah, it had like human eyes oh, too. When I had like a big, like squishy head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't like that. Good times. Like yeah, um... I did, I will say that the second this movie was over, and I, I paid attention to it, there was no phone touching, there was no wandering away, I watched it straight through, and I was compelled the entire time, I immediately wanted to watch it again. If I hadn't had yeah. to leave for work, I would've, yeah. because I had questions, and I feel like there were things I missed. I wasn't getting everything that was being presented. I, I didn't see, I got, I got the disc from Netflix, and it, it is an old school disc, the kind of one that has, like, the big special feature is a photo gallery. Oh, fun. Um, but I don't, apparently there is a commentary, but I don't know if it was on that disc or not, because I think there is, like, a Region 2 or Blu-ray somewhere out there mm-hmm. that might have it. And this would be a great film to watch commentary with. And one thing that, like, I gathered from trivia somewhere that Neil Jordan talks a lot about is he talks about the casting and how, basically, he kind of reshaped the movie once he decided to go with a younger actress. Uh, and that the, um, the, the, I think they, they actually had a very low budget, and they filmed everything on a soundstage, which is kind of obvious. And the shame is this movie looks really shitty. Mm-hmm. And part of it is certainly that it's 1984 and it was a little yes. budget and it was filmed on a soundstage. But, like, I know the DVD I watched just, it felt like, it looked like a TV movie. And it's such a shame because I think if you were to, you like, this movie could be remastered. <laughs> and if it was cleaned up, it could look and really take it to a different level, I think, if it looked better. But just the filming of it looked like a fairy tale theater episode. Which I'm not yes. talking fairy tale theater. No, 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 no. I know. I, yeah. It, 
I, 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 I get what you're saying. Um, it would benefit. Yeah. 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 Especially all the wood stuff. Because yeah. As a result, it what I watched, it was kind of muddy. Yeah. 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 And it makes it, you know, like, oh, don't stray from the path. And you're like, well, where is the path? Like, clearly you only have, like, 12 feet. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but they did bring out the big guns to get Terrence, to get Terrence Stamp in there. <laughs> I was waiting. was that? Apparently, yeah. like, Neil Jordan's friends with him. And um, when they decided, when he, like, wrote that part, he, he called Terrence Stamp and... Uh, I think Terrence Stamp did it for free, so long as uh, uh, Neil Jordan bought him a suit. Oh, how cute! That's the suit he wears, isn't that cute? It's the cutest thing. No, it's adorable. Yeah, it was. Um... Man, I should just watch it again. Yeah, I, I would. It's one that, if it ever gets restored and looks great on Blu-ray with special features and a commentary, I would totally yeah. see the commentary track. I would be very curious because, like I said, I think I wasn't getting something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think there was that much to get other than, uh, you know, becoming a woman, sexuality, recognizing these things about yourself, realizing that, you know, you are a, you could have babies one day, choosing, you know, choosing a love, love or passion over maybe, you know, your family or what your life used to be. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's that much deeper than kind of the obvious. Well, then maybe I was looking for more. <laughs> I, I mean, more than it was. Yeah. It's, I, I, I mean, sometimes I'm sure, I do that. I feel like somebody could write, like, again, if I were a freshman in college and was writing a term paper on this, I could write a really deep term paper that analyzes every visual in this movie and it well, finds it like okay this is what the eggs meant and this is what uh you know this is when she puts the lipstick on this is her asserting this and i, yeah. I do think everything does mean something and i don't mean to say like and oh, i it's really appreciate just about becoming that. a woman um but i think ultimately i feel like it's um yeah like that's to me that's kind of what it is it's just about like ooh, sexuality period well (laughs) well i I appreciate that everything was something i think it was i absolutely think it was i think um i do think each visual and you know decision was meant to represent something yeah plug it something the uh yes i found uh the bit of trivia was that um uh, the DVD commentary, Neil Jordan notes the difficulty of having to create the look of the film on a limited budget, having to create a fairy tale forest out of essentially, quote unquote, 12 trees. Oh, well, good example. for. Yeah. Oh, and also, um, because I made a note, I'm like, the wolves are really cute at times. And I don't think those are wolves. Those look like really cute. <laughs> they're puppy, like puppy dogs. Yeah, yeah they're so cute. Yeah, because um, it's really hard to film with real wolves. And this is 84 and. They can't do Game of Thrones CGI on it. Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of times where they're actually using sheepdogs. Uh, including the problem, though, is like the very final dog they use in the movie to represent something very dangerous. It's like, that's a beautiful, beautiful sheepdog. Yeah. So away. speaking of that dog, can you explain the end to me? No. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> I don't really get it either. Because it, yeah, the, in, within the dream, I think it's clear that um, the, because in the film, all the wolves are male for 
most of the running time mm-hmm. until the last story when you meet um, you meet a she she wolf. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, along with that, you get um, uh, when she has to basically make a decision. Once the wolf kind of reveals that he's a wolf, which she knows, she then you know is standing there looking at him and kind of makes a decision of do I want to be with the wolf or do I want to you know live mm-hmm. it's really the same as um the Amanda Seyfried film Red Riding Hood it's the same movie basically same is movie. what you're saying completely, completely. Well, this minus, is way better than that minus the anachronistic dancing right oh. remember that oh and minus, yeah. minus Gary Oldman with a um brazen bull burning people up Oh man, I don't want to relive oh that. Oh my god, I want to rewatch that movie so hard. Really? We should do it on this thing then, because I would look at it again. I'm telling you, if we had picked this movie first instead of Byzantium, yeah. without question, it would have been like, well, obviously we're pairing it with Red Riding Hood. There's not a question about that. Oh man, that would have been a good one. I have, I have special memories of that. Jeez yeah. it, Louise. It's the, it's the first movie that uh, my fiance and I went to see together. Mm-hmm. Well, it set the tone for the relationship. Exactly. Right? And I knew I liked him because we laughed loud inappropriately at all the same parts. Aw, that's yeah. the cutest! That's how you know. That's how you know, folks. Take him to see a movie directed by the woman who directed Twilight. That's, yep. That's how you can weed out the bad ones. But yeah, the ending, I, I don't really understand. I mean, she chooses in Dreamworld to kind of be a woman, I think, is kind of what that is. It's her deciding to grow up. Yeah, I, I kind of got that. You know, that then like, because then in the real world, like her dolls break and they step on dolls and they break and stuff. So I think that's the decision. But then I don't know why the wolves come in the bedroom. Yeah, I was just I was confused yeah, by that. It's it's I again perhaps Mr. Jordan explains it in the commentary track. Uh, yes, because I feel dumb because I do feel like as much as I'm saying like it's pretty simple like all this stuff just means uh-huh. a woman like I do like I don't get the last shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as smart as I like to pretend I am. Well, I think this would benefit from multiple viewings. Oh yeah, yeah. And again, I think just probably listening to what Neil Jordan has to say about it. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to reread the Bloody Chamber, but I don't have it. I thought I did. Um, okay, yeah. The actress was 12 when she auditioned, and basically Neil Jordan watched her audition and was like, "Ooh, I see something. This could be interesting." And just rewrote the screenplay around her age. Well, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious what... wonder if the screenplay of, like, the original screenplay is out there. I wonder how much it changes, yeah. yeah. Like, the only change that I think they mentioned on IMDb was that, um, basically, like, he, he wanted to make the sexual overtones more pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, quote-unquote, in the script, for example, the Huntsman and Rosaline actually kiss. Oh, uh, yeah, that would have been, I think too much right maybe because i think it does it it does this movie does capture a very specific time in a woman's life which is like the you know being 13 or so and your body basically now telling you you're a woman guess what all these things that like because when you think about it you know the movie has all of these horrible things that can happen to a woman when she becomes a woman yeah you can fall in love with a man and marry him and then he could just leave you you can fall in love and have sex with a man and get pregnant and then he can just leave you. And so it makes sense that all the danger... God, it's so horrifying. Man, it sucks being chicks. Like, all the danger that comes with 
what happens when your body when your body says you're a woman suddenly you open a door to all of these really dangerous things that can happen to you that hmm. you'd never thought of before and that weren't necessarily a danger before but at the same time i think i'm talking through it now i'm now it's making more sense to me um there's a lot of power within that uh-huh and i think that's a line very early on when uh uh, what's her name? Angela Lansbury is telling, what's her name? Slap me in the face. Uh, when Graham, Granny is telling um, Rosaline one of the Rosaline. stories and says something about how, like, you know, no one came, or, you know, oh, you'd be, like, like lost in the woods or what happened to your sister? No one came to save you. And then Rosaline says, well, why couldn't she save herself? And it's kind yeah. of like, oh, pa, you, you don't know anything. But by the end of the movie, she does. And she does, you know, as much as she also becomes a woman in terms of, like, sexuality and making a decision there, she also is able to outwit and outplay the male predator and then make a decision about her life that's all hers and everything. Mm -hmm. So it is a, it's a lot of a journey. Yes. I need to look at it again. I, I feel better I about it now that I've kind of... Oh, well, good. I'm glad you talked it, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've come to terms with it as well. I'm glad. It's good when that happens. But yeah, the, the doll things are still really creepy. I don't like them. Yeah, they were. That one had, like, human eyes. Oh, I didn't like that. He was like a big potato head thingy. With human oh, eyes. And then he, like... It, did you ever see... Um, and if you didn't, oh my god, it's amazing. Babes in Toyland from, like, 1989 with... Believe me when I say all these things. <clears throat> With Richard Mulligan, Eileen Heckert, um, or I'm sorry, Eileen Brennan, uh, 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 Drew Barrymore, and Keanu Reeves, and it's a musical, and that, yes, that means Keanu Reeves sings. Have you ever seen I I think I've seen parts of it, okay. but I've never seen it all the way through and not as an adult, like, but I know, I know of yeah, it, yeah. And it's that same aesthetic where they go to, like, Candyland, and there's all these just really cheaply made... Uh, like giant mascot costumes mm -hmm. and it's like they're not so they're supposed to be like cute and magical but really they're just kind of creepy and sad looking and that's kind of what the doll in this movie reminded me of yeah <laughs> they, it was pretty it was pretty terrible yeah it just made me uncomfortable like, I, I thought of you immediately actually. I was very like the when it happened I did do an audible like ah when it came on screen I just, I wasn't happy about that <laughs> oh man yeah it is of a time yeah I mean this it's the kind of movie that you could... I mean, I, I doubt anyone would remake this just because it... You can tell the same story just in a different way or with a different different details, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, the, I don't think the movie... The movie isn't dated. It's just that the like visuals are dated from the time. Yeah. From it being 84. But, the, I mean, the even the, the modern day stuff is very, like, loosely modern day. So, it, like, you could... Just, you know, works for any time period, but I think just the the physical look of the movie is very eighties. Oh, absolutely. The the um transformations and stuff yeah. and are really of a oh, time. Yeah. You would you would not see them done that way now. And they're they're cool because they're just really different from other I mean I we've talked about I don't know if we've talked about it here. I know I've talked a lot about it. Um of all the horror genres out there, werewolf cinema is probably my least favorite. Mm -hmm. And I understand the appeal and the allure of werewolves because it's yeah. like, oh, it's the like inner animal inside of you. Um, but I never find them more complicated than that 
or scary because I think anytime you put a werewolf on screen it just to me never looks scary it always looks kind of silly mm-hmm. um, like yes the American Werewolf in London transformation is amazing but then he's a werewolf he just doesn't look right <laughs> yeah nothing that never looks right and this movie to me absolutely works because the it's never about the werewolf like being really a threat it's purely about symbolism but it's 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 actually more complicated or slightly more complicated than the usual the beast inside of man yeah i think it's a little more about the kind of seductive side of that that it's not just about like oh deep down men are evil because they're werewolves if they have uh eyebrows that grow together that would have gotten old really fast yep yep and i thought that that's i thought that's where it was going mm-hmm. at first yeah. so i'm but glad yeah, it's, it's, it is it's more it's a it's a little more interesting than that even though mm-hmm. it's ultimately i think you know not that complex i think it's less complex than it seems to be because of all of the things piled on top yeah um but still it, it's still a uh a, a fun you know it's it's fun it's ambitious it tries it is ambitious it's got it's definitely got um stuff going for it yeah. i mean i've never seen anything like it exactly well other than red riding hood Ugh. <laughs> i don't acknowledge that <laughs> oh red riding hood is so great because like th- there's okay i'm gonna spoil something about red riding hood um she eats her grandmother Yep. She is given stew and told to eat it, and she does, and then she finds out that it is her grandmother. But that's never acknowledged. Nope. She never deals with that. <laughs> she never deals with that. No, she doesn't. Ugh. Um, yeah, th- I mean, this, I'm going to say it. This movie is, I suppose, better than Red Riding Hood. It is much better than Red Riding Hood. But it would make a really good double feature. You should go and do that. I just might. Oh, well yeah. then. How did you like the main actress? Uh, really? Uh, uh, she was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really like anybody. Uh, Even, <laughs> whoa. You, you mean anybody, but... Uh, well, I told you, I really had tonal issues with it, and I feel like everybody was in different movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I could defend the movie by saying, well, that's kind of like a dream, right? Yeah, but like I said, this movie does what it does real well. I really think it does, mm-hmm. yeah. but I don't, it didn't really do it for me. Right, right. I, and I would agree with that. And again, I think if this movie hit me at a different time in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really, like, like that. You know, when I was watching Labyrinth every day, like this is very much in that vein. Mm-hmm. And it's made for, like, girls like us when we were growing up that, like, fantasized about being Sarah in Labyrinth, right? Because we did, yeah. right? Yeah, totally absolutely. Did. Like, and you would have married the Goblin King and not gone back, right? Right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. And this, like, this is, is for them. And I think it's just, I'm a little older, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, just, it, it doesn't quite charm me the way it would have if I'd seen it at that right age. Yeah, absolutely. I completely... I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. All right. So do we have uh, anything more to say? Um, I think I'm good. I feel like we've, uh, yeah, we've uh, done what we had to do. Yes. Okay. 
Uh, I will be sure, of course, to wrap this segment up in some music from the Broadway musical Into the Woods, which uh, is another has a good look at the Red Riding Hood story. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll just play music from Into the Woods the entire episode. You should. I'm, you know, do you? Will, indeed. Um, or I'll find something Angela Lansbury sang. I can do either. I'll close out the show with an Angela Lansbury song. You're making these promises. I really hope that you I know, can deliver. I gotta remember them tomorrow when I edit. We'll see how that goes. All right, so let us rate this movie. Okay. Quality of film. Um, I'm gonna say quality of film. Um, oh, six point seven five. I was gonna go six point two five. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's it is better than average for its ambition. Yes. Um, but it, I mean, there's a, you know, it, I don't think this is a great, you can't say it's a great movie. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm comfortable with that score. Yeah. Um, well, I'm curious for your next score then. It's going you, to, yeah, my enjoyment score, enjoyment of life score is much higher for a lot of reasons. Okay. No, you go first. I'm really curious okay, to hear. Because we've got Angela Lansbury. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Um, and being awesome, obviously. Uh, because of the sheer ambition of it, uh, I'm going to go for quality of film. And because you've got Terrence Stamp just there at one point, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, for me, he was of, in the movie. He was just there. And that automatically bumps you up like a good, if nothing else, a good 0.25. Um, so I'm going to go 7.75. Because I can, if this movie's on TV, I'll watch it. I enjoy it. It's yeah. different. And I really appreciate what it does and what it goes for. Um, and it's got dogs and wigs, so 7.75. Okay. I'm going to go straight 7. Okay. Um, yeah, I think what I actually rated it, when I rated it, was like a 6. Point, um, 6.5. Okay. Um, kind of going down to compensate for the fact that I don't, I, I, like I said, I, I, if I watched it again, I might change my mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you are aware that this movie has dogs and wigs, right? I, yes, I am aware. Okay. Thank you I for just, pointing I out. I just wanted that. to make sure that you were very clear on that. Because, I mean, that would affect my score. And it did. So. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. Come back 30 years later uh, to see uh, what uh, we, we see how Neil Jordan handled werewolves. Now we'll see how he handles vampires. Straight ahead, not to delay or be misled. I should have heeded her advice, but he seemed so nice. And he showed me things, many beautiful things that I hadn't thought to explore. They were off my path, so I never had dared. I had been so careful, I never had cared. And he made me feel excited, well, excited and scared. When he said, come in, with that sickening grin, how could I know what was in store? Once his teeth were bare, though I really got scared, well, excited and scared, but he drew me close and he swallowed me down, down a dark, slimy path, where lie secrets that I never want to know. And when everything familiar seemed to disappear forever at the end of the path, was Granny once again, so we wait in the dark until someone sets us free. Brought into the light, and we're back at the start. 
Christine, tell everybody the title of the movie we're about to talk about. Byzantium. Yay! Yay! All right, so this movie um, I picked because I knew, I think we both wanted to watch it. Yeah, I definitely wanted to see it. Uh, talked about much last year. Um, Neil Jordan, who we I think we're both our fans are. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it also has um, our our girl, if you will. Yeah. Hannah. Hannah. Or um, Briny. Yeah. Or I, I will be referring to people as Gretel and Hannah in the review <laughs> of this movie. I have to say that um, I think Netflix is going to start putting like a, a weird red flag on me soon because I've been queuing up or adding to my queue so many Shorsha Ronan films without realizing it. Yeah. Because I just watched Violet and Daisy. I just mm-hmm. rented this. I just added some a post-apocalyptic movie that she's in. And then I just saw the Muppets. Like, I think they're starting to think that I am like a weird Shorsha Ronan stalker. Yes. I just keep yeah. having to watching movies that she's in because she picks really interesting movies. That, that's very true. You're not doing anything. You're just allured by what she's choosing to do. It's just a little strange because she's like a 17-year-old girl. And I'm not. And I she she's But she's really picking interesting projects. She is, seriously. Um, and now, and, uh, Gemma Arturor, Arturor, Yeah. Arturor, yeah. Um, I, I, I can, I'm not even going to try. You know her as Gretel. I remember her as, was she, not Athena. I remember her from the Clash of the Titans remake. Oh, yeah, she is in that, huh? It's a movie that I will defend, not as being that great, but as a movie that did an interesting thing with its script when it didn't have to, mm-hmm. and a movie that was very insistent upon having strong female characters, when it also did not have to. Mm-hmm. So I will defend that movie if anybody wants to fight about it. And believe me, the first movie poster I ever owned, which is still hanging up in my bedroom in my parents' house, is Clash of the Titans, the original. Okay, well, I, I've, I've never... That film. I've never seen that movie. The remake or the... Yeah, original? the remake. Okay. Never seen yeah, it. I mean, it's it's not good. It's also led by Sam Worthington, so snoop. Yeah. Uh, oh. But... Oh. Boring, it, guys. Yeah, but it actually did make an interesting um, conflict in the script that wasn't in the original about kind of the conflict between men and gods. Mm-hmm. And it really made a point of having strong female characters. So. Well, that's interesting. Yes, that is that. I don't know. Maybe I would like it. Nah, you, I don't know if you would. Oh, well, you might. You're weird about that stuff. That's true. I am you weird. You really about... like Hansel and Gretel versus Witch Hunters or whatever. I love that movie. Right, so maybe that's up your alley, too. Uh, now, Byzantium, speaking of strong female characters? Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell the fine folks at home what this movie's about? It is about two vampires. Two vampires. It is about two lady vampires. Two lady vampires. And they're navigating the world, and interspersed is flashbacks. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, um, you know, got a, a bit of a, a mixed-up narrative time-wise. It's... Yeah. It's not straightforward. We flash back, but we don't just flash back to their past when they were human and stuff. We also kind of move around in, in the movie uh, a little bit in, in the more modern narrative. And then uh, we find out some backstory, and it's a really interesting take on vampire stuff, I thought. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, now, this Neil Jordan is, of course, the director of 1995's Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, I think and it's 95. I want to say it's 95. And you can definitely feel like he approached this movie being like, all right, you know, I, I told the male vampire story. And it, and that movie, I mean, and I haven't watched it in years. I don't know how it holds up. 
But yeah, me neither. I, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, me too, kind of. Oh, my God. I That was a movie that made me fall in love with Antonio Banderas. I know. That movie's so good. Or it was. I don't even know. The moment where he puts his hand in the candle and is like... <sighs> yeah. So movie. good. Changed my life. I was 13. I was, you know, it was a very... It was my Company of Wolves moment. Yeah. <laughs> Beat me to it. Even though Antonio Banderas is, like, totally a gay vampire in that movie. He I'm is, 30. but it's awesome. No. Um, so yeah, you do kind of feel like this was a, you, he did, he did the boys and now he's doing the girls in a way. Mm-hmm. And this, um, this is such a female movie in a lot of ways where mm-hmm. it is very much about, um, cause the whole construction of vampires in this movie's universe, they are a little different from your typical vampires. Mm-hmm. They can travel, they can be out in sunlight, um, they are immortal and they do drink blood, but the way you are made a vampire is not as easy as being <gasps> bitten. And it's returned. so cool. Like you have to go on a quest and climb up a mountain and face bats and all this shit. It's re- that that shit is really neat. It's cool. They go to this crazy island and then there's this weird little like stone hut mm-hmm. and and it's really really cool. <laughs> it's presented so and yeah. and a really eerie. Unse- one of and the things gorgeous. that ups- one of the things that upsets me the most always and forever is being faced with oneself. That is yeah. the most horrifying thing you could ever present me with. That is why another Earth made me so very very upset. Um, they do this in this movie. Yeah, we don't really know how they become vampires. It's not really clear, but the way they present it to us is so cool. Well, because a lot of it, like, you think of, when you think of, like, Buffy would do this a lot, which is when you become a vampire, it's not that you become a vampire. It's that you die, your soul is gone, and this demon has taken over your body. And it looks like you, and it sounds like you, and it has your memories, but it's really not you. And, like, this movie just kind of, it doesn't go into it like that, but it like, that makes sense that that is how you become a vampire is... It's you. You see yourself, and you're murdered by yourself, essentially. Oh my god, it's crazy! Cool, and so neat. The other thing that's really, I think, is fascinating about this movie is the sort of um, the legend of these vampires. Is there are certain rules, which is it's a dude thing. It's just yeah, it's essentially a which is which is really kind of unraveled in an in an interesting yep. way. Yep. There there. They're not in a rush to tell you these certain things, mm-hmm. um, which is because it, 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 I think it did what it was supposed to do. It made me want to know more. I was like, yeah. why didn't you tell me this at the beginning? I want to know all about this, <laughs> but not in like an ineffective storytelling way, yeah. just in like a, this is a great idea. I'm being greedy kind of way. And because the characters are so interesting because you have, um, okay. So you've got the two women whose names are, let me see, it's Eleanor and Clara, right? Yes. Uh, so Clara is Gemma or Perverim. Yeah. And she's, as a vampire, she's probably, like, supposed to be, like, mid-twenties about. Yeah, I, maybe so. Yeah. Um, and so she is, was turned to a vampire as an adult. Uh, we find out the story behind that's really, really interesting. And she is a hard-living woman and is a hard-lived woman. Mm-hmm. And has, you know, spent, I guess, what is it, 200 years, I guess, at the time of the movie? I think they've, I think they've been around yeah. 200 years. Um, you know, once you find out her backstory, you find out she was used and abused by men. 
mm-hmm. and it brought her to a very dark place. So now, as a result, she's a very angry uh, vampire. She has no reason to uh, really care about humans or um, and especially male humans. Um, mm-hmm. But even that being said, she does end up forming a really sweet relationship with this nerdy dude. Yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, and she is also taking care of, because uh, I don't know if we should reveal what their connection is. Which, I don't know why it surprised me so much, but it surprised me. Yeah, because then that's the thing, is when you find out, you're like, oh, because it, it, we, okay, we'll, we'll try to talk around it. But you have Shorsha Ronan, who is supposed to be, I guess, was turned when she was about 16. Right? Yeah, I, I think she says 16. Yeah, so it's that same, remember, and again, it's so interesting that Neil Jordan directed this movie because you had a similar but not quite identical story with Kirsten Dunst's character in Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. Where she's supposed to be about like 9 or 10 and is an eternal child. In this case, you're an eternal teenager, which seems mm-hmm. like probably worse. Yeah, really terrible. Yeah. Um, so the two have this very... Sorcerer um, Ronan, we'll say this much, was raised in a convent, uh, whereas... Clara was raised as a prostitute eventually. Mm-hmm. So they have very different upbringings because um, Sorcerer Ronan's character, Eleanor, um, still has a lot of Catholic guilt and yeah. was still kind of living under, you know, it's 200 years doesn't erase what her human life was, which was knowing the difference according to these r- human rules of right and wrong and living by them. Whereas Eleanor or Clara had to had to figure things out on her own and had such a terrible life and was so abused that you know she don't give a shit she just needs to survive and that's yeah like that's all she could do was survive and then eventually you know help uh, Eleanor survive so they kind of approach their vampirism in different ways Eleanor uh, Sorceronin doesn't kill or she doesn't kill anybody that doesn't isn't ready to be killed Mm-hmm. And the movie opens with a really kind of sweet scene where she has an old neighbor in their building who basically understands what she is and asks her to kill him. Mm-hmm. And and that's the only way she she she's kind of like a, you know, angel of mercy type of vampire whereas Clara will just kill whoever she needs to to survive. Yeah. Um and so the two of them live together essentially as sisters, we'll say, cuz that's you know, how they are kind of presented early That's on. how they identify, and yeah. It, and it makes perfect sense, because it is this really sisterly relationship of dependence and love, but also, I don't get you, I don't agree with you, um, but yet you have 200 years of this, which makes it mm-hmm. really interesting. Oh, and, yeah, only dudes. Um, dudes are vampires, women are considered less than that. Uh, they actually don't say vampires, right? They say, what, sucreants? Yeah, um, that word is used a bit, but um, not yeah, not exclusively. Yeah, um, this was adapted from a play that no yeah. one saw. That was apparently the play was actually aimed at like young adults. I think. Yeah, it's the 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 lady that wrote or Jane Eyre or oh. adapted Jane Eyre. I didn't know that. Yeah, she's good, man. Yeah. And this, I think from what I understand, like, it, this was, it was less a horror to start with, and then, and still, I wouldn't really call, like, I mean, I guess it's a horror movie, but it's really not. It's, I mean, I guess if you're calling Interview with a Vampire or The Company of Wolves a horror movie, this yeah, is Yeah, I mean, really it's got that. horrific elements. Yeah, 
Yeah. But right. it's not, yeah, I never was, like, afraid. Right, right. Yeah. Um, well, I was really concerned for um, the the sweet boy. <gasps> That's um, Caleb Landry-Jones. He's yes. um, Banshee in and X-Men First Class. You know I mean, that. I remember him from, from being the creepy brother in The Last Exorcism. He's in The Last Exorcism. I'm super glad he's getting and cast and stuff. Yeah, I would like I hope the girl from the last exorcism gets cast and stuff cuz she was in the Yeah. But she yeah. It, it was good to see him. Um I wasn't sure if he was not trying to do an accent. Yeah. Because he's from Texas. Yeah, yeah. I remember but, realizing that being like, "Wait, he looks familiar, but I can't place him because I was totally trying to think of something British he was in or Irish." Yeah. And I I don't know if he was just not doing it. Because he said, I don't know. It well, the was movie's weird. set in Ireland, but he's supposed to be British, I think. Yeah. So that Whatever it was. I mean, it wasn't completely distracting. Right. He just sounded different from everybody else, but I yeah. think everybody else was supposed to be Irish. Yeah. It, it, I, I thought he was great in it, he so yeah, I, can't, I can't complain. Yeah, basically he has a, you know, him and uh, Eleanor meet and have this connection, and it's really sweet and interesting, and you find out something about him that, you know makes for a really um, effective emotional story. Mm-hmm. And it's handled really well. And what I like, too, is the way his parents are in the movie. Like, so many yeah. of these movies where you have that kind of, um, uh, like, human character that's mixed up in this underworld, there's always something, like, stupid about the parents. Like, oh, they're just, they don't care, they're not there. But his parents are just, like, nice people who are there and doing the best for him. Mm-hmm. And it's just this really nice touch of feeling as though this movie's... Um, rounded out well and that's like care was put into all of these things that they could have bypassed I guess well yeah this is something that's sorely lacking I find in in, in a lot of mm-hmm. even just not just movies but on television is you have this gaggle of characters right. but n- but for seemingly no reason, nobody's really adding to the story maybe they're just there to get killed but in in this, like, there are, there's a significant cast in this. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people that orbit these two female characters, mm-hmm. but they're all there for a reason. Like, yep. they're all either illustrating um, how the, the two women interact with other people or they're, you know, furthering the plot in, like, a significant way. Yeah. Um, and it was really nice to see that because I felt like people kept popping up and I was like, oh, why are there so many people in this? But, but it all... They, it made perfect sense because... It all story, paid off. They all story was resolved. up, yeah. yeah. You meet, um, like, a teacher. Like, um, Eleanor starts going to school and she has, uh, you know, has a teacher that uh, kind of takes an interest in her for, for reasons that make sense. Mm-hmm. And then that teacher has... I can't remember who was like the, I guess the principal then ends up getting sucked into this world. Yep. And I, I kept thinking that it was actually a note I made was supporting characters were really well drawn out. And I wasn't prepared for that. I was prepared for like, oh, oh what are all these people doing? Why do they keep introducing? Yeah. Because they introduced the, I, I guess we're the, the principal. They introduced her pretty far into the movie yeah and then and then she's like hanging out for a while yep. but it was her role ended up being very effective yeah yeah it, it's a really important moment and it makes perfect sense like yes if i were principal and this was going on i would go to the house and then yep. probably follow up with what's going on um and the it same really way, yeah yeah it really illustrates the disconnect between like this inherent disconnect between um the two female characters mm-hmm and the rest of the world like they're so disconnected and even when somebody's trying to help them they don't understand 
the breadth of what they're dealing with. Right, right. Like, and it, it really shows the alienation quite well. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it was really good. There was a few really effective moments in this movie. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, the something that I couldn't fit that I I didn't I still don't really understand was so we in Clara's backstory uh-huh. um, there are two men that are end up being of great importance uh-huh. and one is the man um, who essentially uh, drops her into uh, prostitution I guess yeah okay. he's he's the American Sherlock Holmes right uh, that's I know him as Angelina Jolie's ex-husband okay I don't Charlie know yeah, I thought that that was the same man. I might be wrong. I think you're right, actually. I, um, so. I recognized him, but I re- did his um, his compatriot is who I recognized even more. I didn't. Rec- what was he in? Yeah, he is in Elementary. He is in Control, the um, Joy Division uh, movie. He he plays Ian I Curtis. Speak in a different language to me. <laughs> He's so handsome. <laughs> I just adore him. I was very excited to see him show up in this. He's very boyish. Sam um, Riley. He is very boyish. My goodness. I like he him. looks like he's 12 years old in his IMDb photo. He's so cute. But um, they both were awesome. And they show up. Eyes. Yeah, I don't think I've seen anything else. Oh, yes, I have. He's been on SVU. Oh, well, there you go. In two different characters. Anyway, um, but see, I didn't understand his character's choice in doing certain things in front of Clara. Was he trying to help her or not? I don't know, because then in the end, there are certain things happen that make me go, oh, huh, what was yeah. the, was this what was going to happen the whole time? Yeah, I, I and know. I understand because later he kind of says something to the effect of um, revealing how he'd been following them and why he was doing that and why he was doing it the way he was. But when he takes Johnny Lee Miller, when he's telling him something, mm-hmm. he does it specifically in front of Clara, which led me to think, is he trying to guide her to this thing? Well, uh, because but then he, he also very against it after it happens. He all, but in, in, in to support that original theory, he, he sees that she's, he sees her and she, he's like, are you sick? Like, right, basically, right. like you have to be near death to have this experience or be welcoming death. So, I mean, why even have that in there? Why even have her be sick? Why even have that observation be made right, by that right. character? If that's not what you're alluding to. Yeah, so I think that was one thing that I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And I have a feeling if I watched it again and kind of paid specific attention just to his motives, I'd figure yeah. him out. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see where he was going. Well, he was clearly into her from the jump. Well, she's fucking so. hot. Come on. I love her. She, I mean, she, she's gorgeous. She's the she best. She's so good in this. Yeah, she really is. Because she's just... Um, I realize she like she needs to do a movie with Adina Menzel where they play oh. sisters. Uh, do you know? I could see that. Yeah, they like yeah. they both have like the dark hair and the dark eyes yeah. and the big mouths. Um, but she's so good in this because she's so um, like she's somebody that like she's absolutely gorgeous and can play like classic beauty very well. But in this, she's trashy. She's so trashy. It's so good. And she's just like. Like she's sassy and she's just awesome in this. And you and I really hated her and then I felt really bad for her. Yeah. 
it was there was a lot of complexity going on right, um, because they with these characters really hard decisions to make and with the ex- with one exception it wasn't like anybody was just a monster yeah or that anybody was just a good guy because a lot of what eleanor does you kind of don't always agree with mm-hmm. um but with Clara, it really was like, no, she has been doing everything to survive and to help Eleanor survive. And there are times when you're like, when you're, you kind of see her as making the wrong decisions. But I think she's always justified. And I always believe that she's doing what, not what she thinks is right, but what she thinks is what she should be doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Her motives, her motives are always yeah. um, understandable, yeah. if not, you know. Yeah, I mean, because she, I mean, she has been, you know, had been shit on for her first 25 years Uh, and even after that she still is not accepted by her kind now because she is considered you know a woman that crossed over into something that a woman is not supposed to do Mm -hmm. Um, so she always has this chip on her shoulder and she plays it so well but yet even within that there is like when she meets character's name was was it Noel the, uh, yeah. like the you know kind of schlubby guy yeah it's, it's a really sweet relationship because she's using him obviously but you realize she does care about him yeah um, and does what she can to you know to kind of he sort of becomes like a kind of stepfather in a way and it's it's a sweet relationship in a oh, way it is you know oh man yeah um this one cute bit of trivia was that uh this was somewhat based on the infamous uh, night that um, Mary Shelley and Percy Shelley and Lord Byron got together to write a ghost story, and from that came Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, or, or from that came the movie Gothic, whichever, with Liam Neeson. Uh, <laughs> but this is, ba- I guess, um, I don't know the author, but the other guy that was there that wasn't Byron or the Shelleys was Polidori, and he, from that night, wrote a story called The Vampire that... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Somewhat inspired by Polidori's story and character on the night with Shelley, um, and the character of Ruthven, that was his name, the Johnny mm-hmm. character, was based in part on Lord Byron. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, kind of cool. Kind of cool. Cool. Yeah, the, the visuals of this movie are gorgeous. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I believe it was filmed, like, on site somewhere in Ireland, and it just has, it has a really interesting look. Just yeah. because you don't see many movies made on like abandoned coastal towns in Ireland. Yeah, it's it's it, everything looks moist, but not in like a bad, gross way. Right. Like it just it's so wet and it has everything has depth and texture. Yeah. It's really nice. Which is really interesting to do it the same show we do, Company of Wolves, where everything is on a soundstage and looks. Yeah. It's. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to see him, you know, get to play on a different kind of stage, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and now to kind of put it together with Company of Wolves and other Neil Jordan films that you've seen. Yes. Uh, you know, what are some uh, themes that you think Neil Jordan has based on what we've seen? Um, well... You see, like, what would you... Like, would you know that this was made by the same guy that made Company of Wolves? No. Because I had to look at Neil Jordan's filmography, and I, because there were other, there was other stuff on there I didn't know. Um, I just looked at it, and I already forgot. This is my, this is my life. I'm like a sieve. 
I hold no information. See, there's a lot of his stuff that I haven't seen. I didn't see um, some of like his more famous stuff. I haven't okay, seen. It, like in Dreams. I didn't know he did in Dreams. That movie, to me, although I've seen it 75 times, is a fucking mess. It's a mess, but I could see that he made it just because of some of the dream elements and the, the fairy tale elements. Oh, yeah, like, that's and true, just the, yes. the, the visuals, to me, like, I would... See, it's not a movie I would peg him to make just because it's ultimately, like, a very... Um, just a crime thriller. Yeah. But the fact that it's a crime thriller wrapped in all of this fairy tale imagery... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course it's Neil Jordan. And then um, on, on Dean... Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I can't remember how to say it. Yeah, but I don't even know what that movie is. That's um, Colin Farrell. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I actually kind of liked it. I it got released when I was working at the movie theater back in New York, and people really hated it, and they said it was over long. I I popped in. I I saw it, and I I really enjoyed it. But I didn't. I don't. Maybe if I watched it now mm. again, I'd be like, oh yes, I completely see. Yeah, he, right. he wrote it too. So yeah, I don't know. He's usually really involved in his films on the writing end too. I mm-hmm. um, the I see. I haven't seen. It's bad. I haven't seen the Crying Game, and that's one that I've wanted to see for a long time. I haven't either. We should do that one of these days. We should. I've never seen it. It's one of those things where I'm pulling the whole like, well, I know what's going to happen twist. in it. Yeah. So yeah. what's the that's the stupidest reason not to see anything. I messed. I've messed missed out on so much <laughs> stuff because of that. I understand. Dummy attitude. Yeah, but I I think, especially just to put this with Interview of the Vampire and Company of Wolves, like right mm-hmm. there, I do see that I think he has a, a great respect for women and female yeah. characters, and really does do them justice. Um, I think he's fascinated by women, and I think he manages to really evoke that in his films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of the, like, Interview of the Vampire, I think, you know, you could read it, and both the novel and the film, you could read it very much as actually a film about unrequited love between two men. Yeah. Um, and I know that's your favorite subgenre. It is. Yeah. Uh, and this, this actually has elements of that as well, because there is a lot going on between the, uh, the male characters. Mm-hmm. But there's also just really interesting relationship stuff going on and we're not gonna spoil what like the other main relationship about this movie um because because it is a spoiler to say it but it because the way it reveals itself it like you said it is surprising yeah Um, i don't know why it was so surprising to me but it makes it such it puts these characters in such a, a fascinating place yeah and i mean that's the beauty whenever it comes to these kind of um very standard movie monsters and genres, if you will. Like the old, why would you make a zombie film in 2014? It's the least interesting thing you could, thing you could do mm-hmm. unless you're doing, unless you're going to use it in a really interesting way. Unless you're finding a way to tell a different story or say something with it. Yeah. Don't fall, if you're just giving me werewolves and having them represent, you know, man, the man beast inside of you, I don't give a shit. But if you're giving me vampires and instead making it a story about female relationships and, you know, men trying to keep women out of power and all this stuff, then fuck yeah. And that's what this movie does. Yeah. Really well, too. Yeah. Yeah. I am, I'm really happy we, uh, we covered it. Me, too. I'm going to buy it immediately. Yeah. I, I really want to own the, it. The DVD do- had interviews with all the actors. It was really mm-hmm. interesting to watch. Um, 
just and it's all like there was like probably it's probably like half hour of just cast interviews with each of the main cast members talking about their character mm-hmm. and within that you could really see like that how um how much how well they knew their characters mm-hmm. and yeah how, absolutely like, and so you yeah you really got that sense that like this movie was important to these actors but it was important important because they were all really drawn to the story and the characters within the story yeah and i think there's a commentary on there too so i'd be into that Probably worth yeah. it for that reason i i would say so yeah mm-hmm. yeah so good and this movie had a lot of beheadings it was pretty violent yeah and like, every in the life had weight to it Every life had Absolutely. weight. Every death that happened, yeah. you really felt it. Even yep. when it was inconsequential characters or characters that just showed up, it was handled with such yep. a care that you were like, this is, a, this is a human life that's being lost. There was reverence to it. It was really interesting. And I think a big part of that was the fact that Eleanor was, um, she valued life so mm. much. And she would only take life when she felt it was the right time to do so. And that you you feel that like her conscience kind of sets a lot within the movie too. I think. Yeah. No. No good stuff. I agree. All right. So do we have any more to say, or should we uh, should we rate it? I think we can rate it. I mean, I'm I'm ready. I don't want to say too much about it plot wise because there's just really interesting things that it's fun to let the story kind of unravel yeah, for you. And I I'm glad that I didn't look much more into it because. Mm-hmm. I think all you need to know is it is a vampire film with, you know, kind of two time narratives. That's all you should know going in. Yeah. Because I think the more you know, the more it takes away, not the twists, because it's not twists. It's just, like you said, the way the plot unravels is really interesting and you forget that you're being surprised by it in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's very satisfying to just kind of let it happen for you. Yeah. Um, All right. So quality of film. Quality of film, I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to go really high. Eight. Yeah, I was going to go eight as well. Yeah. Yeah, we need to find a system where, like, we email each other, like, because I feel like it sounds too much, sometimes too much, like we're just saying the same thing. But no, I really, in my head, was saying eight. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're usually quite close. Most of the time. Yeah, Muppet movie being an exception. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, why'd you have to bring that up? I was in such a good mood. We agreed Sorry. on it. It was all good. Okay. We talked about a movie we liked. We agreed. Eight. Yay. Okay, yeah. quality of life improved upon by film. Oh, 8.5. I was just going to um, probably stick with my eight. I, if I watch it again, maybe even more than once, I could probably get up to a nine on this. Yeah. yeah for now, I'm just going to stay solid eight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now that was uh, our take on Byzantium. Yeah, it was really good. I was very happy. Yeah, I recommend. I'm glad we did it. And I think our listeners, I think, would really like it. And Angela, I think you'd really like it. I think she watched it. Oh, did? You? Oh, you're right. She did. So yeah, which is awesome. I assume you really liked it. Yeah, damn right. Yeah. Uh, now, before we tell people what we're doing when next we meet, um, yes. Anything on Instant Watch you would like to tell the fine folks at home to watch? Yeah, I I had a rough week as a rough two weeks as evidenced by my um, my list, and I haven't been watching much streaming. But there is something that is streaming that I saw at South by Southwest last year that everybody should see, and it's Bad Milo, the um, Ken Marino 
movie about the butt monster. It's, it's good. I really, really liked it. I don't, I don't think they fucked with it too much from what I saw. They changed the title and stuff when they got distribution, but I think it's pretty much the same cut that I saw. Okay, cool. So I, people should check it out if they're on the fence. I mean, now that it's on instant, you got nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. It's the worst that can happen to you, folks. You have to shut it off in the middle. Yeah. And worse things can happen to you. Trust me. You could do what I did with the movie um, Toad Road a few weeks ago. What is that? It's. Uh, I'll tell you what it is, Babels. I don't know if I'm the best person to tell you what it is. It was an instant watch horror movie, and I had put it on my queue just because the description sounded interesting. And um, Night Living Podcast was going to review it on Russian Roulette. So mm-hmm. it was one of those mornings where I'm commuting. I'm like, oh, let me queue up this movie. It's really short. It's like an hour 20. And I start watching the movie. And for all I knew was I had basically turned it on and pressed play. Maybe, like, somebody came and sat next to me, so maybe I had to, like, move my bag or something. But then I look down, I'm watching this movie, and I really don't know what's going on. It's very, it's found footage. It's, or actually, no, I don't think it was found footage, but it felt like it was made to feel like it was found footage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very, like, scenes are just characters moody, and shit's happening. It's, he's having a dream, but he's not. And shit's happening. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I got an hour going to work. I'll get through this. And then suddenly the title comes up. I'm like, oh, okay. I get, wow, that was a really long pre-credit sequence. And then the credits come up. And then I hit, like, play to see, like, where I am in the movie. And I somehow accidentally, or Netflix accidentally, turned the movie on at the <gasps> hour mark instead of the beginning. Oh, my. So you I saw the middle last, of it? No, I saw, like, the last 20 minutes of it. Oh, gee. And yet, even then, I still didn't know what was going Which, I mean, granted, on one hand, like, yeah, if you turned on the last 20 minutes of Byzantium, you would know what was going on. But you would have at least been like, okay, that, that movie ended. I yeah. didn't even know this movie was ending. I thought it was beginning. So it was one of those, like, well, I guess it's good that I didn't spend an hour and a half on this movie. That's amazing that it was that so happened. weird, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that could happen to you, is my point. Um, but the <laughs> instant watch that I'm going to recommend is purely me just looking at instant and seeing what was on there and seeing this movie on there and being like, this is a great movie. More people should watch this movie if they haven't already. And it's from some time back. Uh, and it is The Station Agent. Yeah, I saw that that popped on there, too. Yeah, it's so good. I haven't seen it in a very long yeah, time. Yeah, it's, um, it's just such a good cast, and it's Peter Dinklage is amazing in it. And it's good timing, because Game of Thrones is coming back, so watch Vintage Dinklage, if you will. <laughs> and it's, it's wonderful, and it's on there. So, hey, cheer yourself up, or Yay. make yourself cry, and then cheer yourself up. I think that's how it goes uh, with Station Agent. Yes. All right, so now... On our next episode. Oh, so exciting. This is exciting, because I feel like this is a movie that's circled its way around a lot. Yeah. And has been referenced a lot on the show. Uh, it's finally going to happen. We should cover this at some point. I've never seen it. You have. Yes, multiple times. Uh, tell the fine folks what it is. Um, we are going to be covering some year's uh, movie, Sucker Punch. Yeah, maybe I'll finally... 2008, 2009? No, it wasn't that late, was it? I feel like it was two years ago or something. 2011? Yes, that sounds better. Uh, I, I, every time I say this... Here's my my loud typing, guys. Damn. It was was 2011. I don't know why I said that the the years I said, but I clearly knew it was 2011. Aw, it's it's like, I mean, it's later by me, but it's late for you. I can't wait to talk about this movie. Abby Cornish... Emily Browning, Jenna Malone, Jamie Chung, everybody I like in a movie. 
it's going to be great, right? Well, let's we'll wait and see. I- I'm excited because I have not seen this movie. I know d- opinions on it is wildly divisive. My opinions on Zack Snyder are wildly divisive. Me too, man. Yeah. Which leads us to the other movie we're going to cover. Now, granted, this week we did a director spotlight, if you will. We are going to do the same thing next time. Yes. Just because we, when I really thought about it, I'm like, okay, we're doing Sucker Punch. It's a movie about hot chicks with hot bodies fighting shit. So yeah. what would be the logical companion? And at first I'm like, oh, we could do like Switchblade Sisters or something. But then I'm like, no, you know what would be the fairest way to judge Sucker Punch? Would be to pair it with the movie about hot dudes not wearing much clothes yep. Yep. fighting shit. And that one broad who's in everything, whose name I can never remember. Uh, Queen Cersei. Is we that her? This every time. You That's know. not her Christian name. Right? Christian name is Queen Cersei Lannister. The, the, the lady Mama, that was in whatever. Judge Dredd? Yes, the lady that was in Thank Judge Dredd. Big Mama what or, or, or Cersei oh. Lannister oh. or Sarah Connor. Um, oh, yeah, Sarah Connor. Let's yeah. just go with that from now on. That, that one's yeah. easier. Uh, also known as Lena Hetty. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. It's 300. It's We're talking 300. about 300. <laughs> We're going to review 300. Yeah. Wait. It's been a while since we've had Fassbender on the show. I was going to say film debut of Michael Fassbender. No, man. Is it? I don't think so. I think it might be. We'll confirm that next time. Um, Gerard from, Butler, when I thought... From I your really, face. When, when I was really attracted <laughs> to Gerard Butler. I didn't... Why I'm sorry. Why when I said was that? I, was I supposed... <laughs> You were supposed to be like, yeah, he was kind of hot in that movie. What They're all really it? hot in that movie. They all have, like, abs that you could bounce baseballs off of if you threw it at them. I mean, I, I think Fassbender's not hot in that movie. I can't remember him in that movie. His hair's really long, and he's very abby, and I don't really They're like that. Really abby in that movie. That kind of ab. They're all very dear abby, if you will. They are. Well, I think it was a, an inspired choice on your part, to be I'm honest. I'm really excited to rewatch it. I'm debating if I should just buy it on Blu-ray, because it's like 10 bucks and it has a bunch of special features. And oh, like, maybe you're right. I think you're right. About it being his first film. Yeah. I don't know. I just watch everything out of order, but you're right. See, I'm trying to figure out if I should watch it with... Brandon's never seen it. Oh, and really? The thing is, I'm like, you're either going to love, like, really enjoy it or you're just not going to be able to... You're just going to hate it. So I don't know if I want to be like, okay, let's make dinner, let's sit down and watch this movie, and, like, five minutes in, if he's, like, not feeling it, I'm not going to make him watch the whole thing. Yeah. Has he Has he seen Sucker Punch? No. Oh, okay. Well, don't do not do that with that Yeah, one. I have a feeling 300... I mean, because 300 has a lot of dudes getting their heads chopped off, which... Is all 300 at the, this house. Oh, I didn't add this to my list because I was embarrassing, but this is embarrassed, but this is kind of serendipitous. I watched the National Lampoons um, thing that's like a spoof <laughs> of 300. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, it was maybe the worst thing that has ever passed in front of my eyes. Oh, but um, serendipitous because now we're watching this. Indeed. I feel like I should watch that by the next episode. Please don't. Go ahead. It's called like. like 301. Also, it's called Awesomest Maximus. Huh. Watch it. It's embarrassing. I don't hate that title, because when I watched Spartacus, I used to refer to the character of Crixus as Studicus. And then I referred to Gannicus as Hunkicus. Um, so I don't, I mean, I'm kind of on board already with their titling. So Okay, well, I mean, I think you'll be th- quickly thrown off board. Okay. Um, so, all right, 300 sucker punches it is for the next week. Hooray! Uh, Zack Snyder, this is this is your time to shine or not. We'll find out. Uh, until then, 
If you have things to share with us, where should they? You should go to Facebook. Yes, indeed. Um, our page is the Feminine Critique. It's a group. We talk about stuff. We post pictures of Angela Lansbury. It's awesome. That's, that is what we do over there indeed. now. You can also tweet us. Um, I'm trying to make a, a vow because uh, what I did, I did this. I I did a Twitter purge on my personal account because uh-huh. every time I logged into Twitter, all I was getting was retweets of people I don't even know who they were and they were retweeting stuff so I did a big like I don't know you I'm unfollowing you and I apologize if any if I unfollowed anybody that like I act shouldn't have done just like yeah or something I am I'm always worried about doing yeah because I always like I never like to unfollow anybody but then I I do the just unfollow thing like I tried it and it like I like because it was such a realization of all of these people that I followed because they followed me then unfollowed me I'm like well fuck you Oh, no. Especially Let's see. Like one person that always used to, we should do it for our account because I wonder if they're on there. Because one person who just, all they do is tweet and retweet. Mm-hmm. And I kept them on there because I thought they were following me and I wanted to be polite. And then I found out they unfollowed me. I'm like, are you kidding me? All of uh, them well, you know. this person. That's why I don't like Twitter. Twitter, anyway. But point being, I, I, I've fallen off quite a bit. I am going to try to, you know. Um, check it like once a day as opposed to Mm -hmm. once a week when I remember Uh, and that Twitter account by the way is Feminine Podcast I think so yes sure or I'm Deadly Dolls if you if that's too confusing for you and I'm Para X Team just like Aguilera girl yep every time I see it it makes me happy yay and it makes me want to watch burlesque we should do that for the show um, okay, change of plans guys instead of uh, we're gonna do burlesque next time next time because we can't, like, you, you don't understand. It's on ABC Family all the time for some reason. And no matter what I'm do, what when it's on, I will just watch it. Because why wouldn't I? Okay, next time, maybe. Have you seen it? No. <gasps> okay. All right. Um, so I, I will go on a rant about how great it is. So we're not going to do that right now. Everybody out there knows in their hearts that it's great. Uh, on that note, folks, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. Yeah. And... Wish you a fair evening free of Belgian cheap dogs dressed like wolves. Or full of them. Either one. Whichever you like. I don't <laughs> want to, we're not judging. It's fine. As old as time True as it can be Barely even friends Then somebody bends Unexpectedly Just a little chain with you now, Chip It's past your bedtime Good night, love